Welcome to the CapitalLink Shipping Podcast Series. I am Nicholas Bornodis, President of CapitalLink. We have recently launched our podcast series as a means to educate a broader audience on topics of critical importance to the shipping industry. As such, our podcasts aim to be informational and educational. Every week, we intend to host an exclusive interview with a C-level executive and other major industry figures. This is our fifth episode. I would like to welcome our featured speaker today, uh, Kim Ullman, the Chief Executive Officer of Stockholm-listed Concordia Maritime, which is part of the Stena Group. Interviewing Kim is Barry Parker of BDP1 Consulting, a well-known journalist in the maritime industry. Today's podcast is on the topic of the new regulations regarding lower emissions that will be implemented as of January 2020, and we will discuss how these are expected to impact the shipping industry. Stockholm-listed Concordia Maritime is part of the Stena Group, as I mentioned. Concordia's fleet consists of 10 PMAX product tankers, 3 MR Echo, 2 new-built chemical and product tankers, and 1 Swissmax tanker. You can find more information on Concordia on the company's website at www.concordiamaritime.com. And now I will hand over the floor to Barry and Kim. Barry, please go ahead. Okay, thank you, Nicholas. Uh, Kim, uh, welcome to the, uh, the podcast series. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. Let's get to the heart of what uh, we want to talk about, uh, which are the, the new regulations as of January 2020, which is uh, about 24, 25 months from now there are going to be stricter limits on sulfur emissions uh, from vessels. The present sulfur restriction is 3.5%. And in 2020, January 1st, 2020, it's going to drop to half a percent. That's 0.5%. Uh, some areas in North Europe and the U.S. already have a tighter restriction, which is one-tenth of a percent. So owners have... Uh, really three choices. Uh, first one is consuming lower sulfur fuels. Second one, uh, installing scrubbers, which uh, involves a capital expenditure, but uh, vessels can burn cheaper residual fuel. And a third choice uh, is burning, burning LNG, liquefied natural gas. So let's, uh, let's start our discussion uh, with Kim. So Kim, what do these new regulations mean for the industry, and do you think uh, these are a game changer? Well, um, thank you very much for inviting me. I certainly appreciate that. Uh, well, what it means for the industry is that the shipping industry will be a cleaner industry, which is of course good. It will run on cleaner fuels, uh, make sure that, or make sure that the emissions are cleaner through scrubbing, uh, and all of this is, is prudent and good for our future. Uh, is it a game changer? I have to give you the, the boring answer, no, I don't think so. Many people think so, but I don't think so. We don't think so. Uh, we've been through times when uh, oil prices gone from $10 to $100 a barrel, and everybody was saying that the, the, the world economy cannot take that, but it could. At the same time, the bunkers went from 100 to $700 a ton, and we have had the, the new SECA. Uh, rules which came into effect uh, in 2015. The industry has a great habit of, of adapting. That, that's, that's what it is. 
Will there be short or short-term hiccups? Definitely. Disruptions? Yeah, absolutely. From 2020 or around the 2020 date, I would say, starting from now, because now all these questions are coming up. And, and, and there are, there are ton, tons of questions, and there should be, of course, uh, like what the price differentials will be between the, the heavy fuel oil and the marine gas oil or marine diesel oil, and the availability of the same. Will there be HFO barges, you know, and how are the scrubbers doing? I mean, technically, do they do they work or, or not? And, and refinery situation, will they add hydrocrackers and things like that? So there's a lot of, of questions out there. But I think the industry will, 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 will adapt. So therefore, it, it's not really a game changer. Okay. Well, uh, January 1st, 2020, it's about a little more than two years away. Uh, so from the choices that, that I mentioned, uh, consuming the lower sulfur fuel, putting the scrubbers in or burning LNG, uh, or, or possibly other lower sulfur content fuels, uh, at this point in time, do you see any, any trends that are really emerging throughout the industry? And, and then focus, same question, focus on uh, Concordia Maritime. Yeah. Um, well, to be perfectly clear, there are no clear trends at all. You know, people are sitting on the fence you know, trying to get their act together and get all these questions answered. I'm pretty sure some of them have not even uh, asked the questions, so to speak, not even started the process. So, um, so, so, so certainly no direct trend and clear trend so far. There, there are a few exceptions. We have Maersk Line who went out publicly and said no to scrubbers. Uh, and, and, and some Operators have already adapted and, and adopted the, the, the scrubber uh, alternative, like the ferry operators. Um, I mean, we have our own group company, Stella Line, that have already actually installed scrubbers on some of their ships. Well, that's for a fixed route in a Seca area where you know where you're going every day, back and forth, same ports. And they have reception facilities in these ports. So it's different. So no clear trend. Concordia, of course, evaluating all options. We just have to do that and go through that. We have the, the bit of a luxury to have the standard technical department uh, at hand that are uh, help the standard line in evaluating scrubber uh, functions. Um, but what I can say is that Concordia Maritime will not retrofit to LNG. For sure not. I mean... That's too expensive to retrofit, and, and it's, it's way too complicated. And I don't think there is an infrastructure for it in, in, the, in the tanker world, as we speak, and not even in, in a foreseeable future. And as it stands today, Concordia Maritime will not go scrubbers either. Um, we believe it's for the oil companies to fix. Uh, we consume the grade. We're not making the grade. Uh, IMO um, you know, have basically told us what to burn, but not what to build. Um, and we don't really want to have, you know, or build small refineries on board our ships. So as it stands today, we will be running on compliant fuels. And we think, and I know we might come back to that later on, but we think that the oil companies will actually um, fix this, this, this issue and, and have the, the product ready around the 2020 date. Well, you're kind of beating me to my next question, but we might as well uh, 
move to that. I mean, there are various uh, opinions about whether there's going to be uh, availability of the of, of the compliant fuel. You have extensive contacts in the uh, in, in the oil business, and it just sounds like uh, what you're. If I if I can uh, paraphrase you, it's, it sounds like uh, you don't have any issues with availability in January 2020 of the compliant fuels. I have to be a little bit careful here in what I'm saying. Uh, by January 2020, will there be issues? There will be issues. But during or from 2020 onwards, I think the oil companies will fix it, actually. Um, uh, and and um, I mean, it's a very relevant question because uh, bottom, of the line, bottom line is, um, is, is whether, whether the oil companies will be able to do it. Um, uh, and I think they will through tweaking, you know, increase the marine diesel oil or marine gas oil yield out of their refineries through blending. Uh, there will be opportunities to blend heavy fuel oil and, 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 and other products. I don't know how, to, how they're going to do it, but I'm, I'm sure they will be doing it. If they are not doing it, the traders will. And some have already invested and some will invest. Um, and I know that's that's a long lead time and expensive too, but it's so to speak their business to fix it. And I think the world has 600 refineries or so, and I think 300 of them are basically new ones or or modern ones, and they all have a very high MGO yield, and basically produces no heavy fuel oil. So so there are a few refiners already geared up for this, so to speak. So uh, yeah. And from what we hear, the, the, there, there is a commitment, there is a, there's a will from the oil companies to, to, to do this. I think there's, there's a business opportunity for them too. So, yeah, we, we think there will be uh, available uh, compliant fuels at least the next or, or very close to the January 2020 mark. Okay, and the regulators, uh, you know, they're, they're sensible people. I mean, certainly with the U.S. Coast Guard, I can, I, I can speak, uh, you know, when there have been cases in the uh in, in in the past about the uh unavailability of the very low sulfur fuels if you can present a case that it's not uh available uh you know they'll they'll let you come into port and uh do your vessel operations let's uh switch it a little bit just talking about you know the the fleet has uh older vessels uh you know and then there's modern vessels also uh are the cal- the calculations of uh, whether to continue operating a vessel uh, or possibly scrap it or possibly sell it at what might be a low price, how do those differ from uh, a newer vessel for, uh, compared to an older vessel? Well, an older vessel obviously burns more fuel oil. That That's the easy answer. I mean, it could be 10 tons difference on an MR. It could be 20 tons difference and or more on, on, on big crude ships. And so there is a handicap that the older and more thirsty ships will have, of course. And if, which I don't believe, but maybe over time, you know, more and more people will do scrubbers, um, then they will have to view that option that there, there's a definite must. And if, if that option is there to, to add a scrubber at whatever, three, four, five million dollars, that could tip it over to, to actually go to scrap. Because, I, because the analysis would, would show that the investment, the $3 million or $5 million investment, wouldn't, wouldn't really pay off based on the anticipated uh, 
money, cash coming in. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, you can you you might be able to do it on on, on a nourishment where you can see see uh, that there the, that there is good economics in doing that compared to to what the what the um, the scrubber costs itself. But I, as I said before, I think I think I think we're most of the ships, most of the tanker ships, I should say, will be uh, running on 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 compliant fuel, and if so, you know there is a then, then there is no big difference between what they are facing today in in in, in their in, in in terms of scrapping or non-scrapping, uh, because they have to they have to go go by the market forces in, in, in such a case, and but in older ships, of course, has the same old. Um, challenge, if you will, that if the oil price or the bunker price on a compliant bunker would go to $700 a ton, for instance, on MDO, and you burn 10 tons more or 20 tons more, you have a disadvantage. And that disadvantage is increasing by a higher uh, oil price. So there is a, there is a, you could say there is a view that, that some of the older ships uh, might be phased out earlier for that reason. Yeah, I guess on a newer ship, then there's more time to 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 pay it off. So they might they might consider the investment. Yeah, but pay it off. You know, I mean, it's uh, the the way we see it, and it's also one of the reasons why we're not installing scrubbers is that this price differential is going to be pretty steep and high in 2020, 2021, maybe uh, 2022 as well. But then it's likely to normalize when. Oil companies have got their act together. They know how they're going to blend, and, and they're going to find find their ways. And and then then the, that spread between heavy fuel oil and, and, and marine gas oil is going to go down again. So um, so it's it's it's, um, it's just a few years actually where when when there will be a hype in in in, in the uh, in the spike of the spread. Yeah, fair enough. And then the oil companies uh, adjust to the market. Uh, yep. Let's ask a. It's a related uh, question. I've I've heard the suggestion from a number of uh, analysts that the, the the product trades. That's uh, so your your company uh, trades in uh, re- refined products. That's the uh, stuff you move around. That those trades are going to benefit greatly because of uh, different different patterns where different refineries uh, make the make the fuel uh, the low sulfur fuel and it has to be. Move to some other place where maybe there there were vessels, but there's not a refinery making it. So there are going to be a lot of, uh, as the suggestion goes anyway, a lot of product cargoes moving all over the world. Uh, wonder if you have any thoughts on this. Well, products moving all over the world. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the simple answer is yes. I think there will be additional trades. I think there will be MDOs, MGO going from east to west. The old refineries that I was referring to before that has a very high yield of heavy fuel oil, you know, uh, will send fuel oil east, and they cannot tweak their refineries to the extent uh, that they will will be producing enough MDO, MGO. So we think that there is going to be a trade from Middle East, India, China maybe, all the way to Europe and, and South and, and North America. So so we, we do see new trades actually emerging from this. Uh, which is simply good. I mean, we love new trades. New trades are good trades, and especially if they, you know, kind of cross each other, then then you certainly get up, get the utilization up. Okay. Are there any? I, I think you started to hint at this. Are there any uh, very specific 
uh, refined product uh, trades that are going to open up. I guess it's the the cargo coming out of those 300 new refineries that that you referred to. Yeah, I mean, very simply speaking, and now we're talking only as a a consequence of this uh, IMO 2020 regulation. Um, you know, that there are certainly all sorts of reasons for other products to, to, to merge too that we haven't really thought of so far. One or two might be closed as well, mind you, but, but generally speaking, a lot of NGO going from India, Middle East, going west, and, and that is going to increase the, the, the ton mile requirements. So that's a good, that, that's a good thing. Uh, yes, it is. All right, we're reaching the end of our discussion. Uh, I couldn't avoid the temptation. Uh, you, you, you've talked a little bit about uh, the demand just in the past few minutes, but uh, maybe we can in- integrate that with uh, other considerations such as the supply. So just wonder if you have a, an outlook you could give us on, uh, on, on the product tanker market overall. Yeah, sure. Um, we think, simply speaking, that the outlook for 2018 is, is good. Uh, kind of no doubt in our mind. You know, we, we tried to brag a little bit about the fact that we called the, the 2016 downturn in the market. And we did that already at the hype of the market in 2015. And people shook their heads. But, but anyways, it came and, and here we are. We, we think that things have bottomed out right now. Um, we will have an increased freight market during the winter. Uh, which is not scientific at all. You know, it's, it's typical and seasonal, but it will come, and it's, it's, it's about to come. Q2 next year could be a little challenging, but mind you, next year the oil consumption growth is, is, is about 1.5 million barrels a day. Most of that is going to be shipped, and that's the extra incremental um, uh, demand that we see next year, and everybody sees. I mean, it's not us. I'm not saying that, but it comes very handy into a market that is not delivering as many product anchors next year as it has been the last couple of years, which is a good combination. And during the second quarter of next year, sometimes second quarter next year, we will have the famous stocks inventories normalized, whatever that is. It's, it's a five-year average, you know. Uh, and, and, and that is so important that we get that normalized. That will kick off the arbitrage business again, and we will start to see the cross-trades and all these various products going uh, across the ocean and across the world. And when the the OPEC has decided that stocks are normalized, they are going to, you know, put on the tabs again, and uh, and there is 1.2 million barrels a day um, that they have, have have hidden so far, so so to speak, you know, and that's going to be be sent out again and, and being produced, and that's also being shipped. So and that plus uh, whatever point four in, uh, re- uh, coming from non OPEC is re-entering the market next summer. So from next summer onwards, we we see kind of a fundamentally real recovery coming coming along, slowly but surely, but. The next year is is, is, is is certainly the turning point in in our view. All right, the mid, the middle of the year, you're thinking. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to have to have another conversation in about seven or eight months' time from now. Absolutely, you're welcome. So we've uh, we we've now reached uh, the end of our discussion. So I want to I want to thank Kim uh, for his insights and the very interesting and uh, quite detailed discussion uh, that that we had. 
this podcast is available on Capital Link's website at www.capitallinkpodcasts.com, and it's also available on iTunes and Google Play. Capital Link aims to bring you weekly podcasts on critical topics for the shipping industry, discussions with uh, industry leaders and decision makers. So thank you very much, Kim. Thank you.